Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist by kineticist and coach. And I'm a co-host, Davey, aka Davey on the Run. Through our shared knowledge and experience, we unpack the fascinating topic of running. We speak to coaches, athletes, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to help you improve your running. And ensure that you enjoy every step of the way, wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a strange kind of pain. Um, I'm not a lover of injury pain, but when it's pain, uh, like fatigue pain and the pushing through pain and the the digging deep, I'm good at the digging deep. I, I like to believe I, I give advice from the mistakes I've made along the way. And I think, I think that's important as a, as a coach to have that depth of experience. She was the very first black woman Springbok runner. She said she, as a young woman runner, had to really shatter a lot of myths that's within black culture in, in, in South Africa and maybe in Southern Africa. Um, myths like, you know, running will make you infertile. Hey Nick, did you know that it's a cool idea to eat a nutritious diet packed with loads of fiber? Oh yeah? Yeah, you should Google it using Cool Ideas Fiber Internet Solutions. I hear they've been voted number one internet service provider for customer service. Yeah, and you'll get hold of them faster than the fiber can work through your system. Davide. Nicola. How are you doing, bro? I am in pain. You're in pain? What's wrong? Pain, agony, suffering. What? Seeing me run away? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lost, okay. Last time people would have listened to an episode of Making a Runner, it would have been before I got married. Correct. Now, you what you got on your finger there? A ring on my finger. A I ring got on two your rings finger. on my finger. Because the one ring is a little bit too big. And I lost it on my wedding evening. But we found it eventually. And then I went on honeymoon and I got very unfit and I just cannot get back into running. But well, give yourself some time. You've only just come back from honeymoon. No, it's not to do with honeymoon. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm booking myself in with a GP. What's A-S-A. wrong? What's uh, wrong, baby? I just, you know. Need some TLC from your followers. No, I don't. Too many bots. Hey, whoa, <laughs> oh, that's an allegation right there if I ever heard one. <laughs> no, not too many parts, you bastard. Um, no, I've just, um, I'm really struggling with fatigue and I want to get my bloods checked out and just make sure everything's okay because I just can't get back into uh, strata things and it has been 10 weeks and I'm watching everybody progress and, and you know, fly, fly past and I'm convinced something's wrong. <laughs> I know you so are listening <laughs> to Martin. I think we know what's wrong. <laughs> not the pain. It's not. I don't need therapy. I don't. I'm fine. You know, Davey, just a little bit of advice. Just go for an easy run, an easy, <laughs> slow run every now and then. And I it, do. And I do. You'll find your running will come back to you in no time. As you, you don't do easy, slow runs. Perhaps, perhaps you should get back onto the trails and get onto the trails for some enjoyment of running. <laughs> you reckon, eh? I reckon. Who's somebody else that really enjoys trail running? Oh, I don't know. I think <laughs> there's this lady. Uh, yes. There's, ah, there's, oh, I know. There's a yes. lady by the name of Linda Doak. Linda Doak. Linda Doak. I don't know if you've ever heard of Linda Doak. I, I, I have heard her. Uh, she's made quite a lot of noise in the trail running scenery. She's 
pretty iconic if yeah, you she, she she is an iconic trail runner south african trail runner she was an iconic south african trail runner before trail running was even iconic she started on the road as as far as i'm aware she is at ultra distance ultra distance ultra ultra distance 100 miles plus 250 200 300 k's we're, ta- we're talking once you listen to this podcast you're probably going to feel exhausted and you're probably going to need to take a nap she is also a journalist and a trail running coach at rockhoppingtrail.run so if anybody that is looking for some trail running advice or a trail running coach wants she, to get in touch with her she is the one she is a solomon ambassador as well she's uh, coached the likes of the epic joe kepler who has is doing amazing things in the running community and she's not too shabby herself she she she's very humble wouldn't tell us how she many is very how many wins she's had but in in her 2014 year she won the Kalahari Ukhrabi's extreme marathon that's 100k's she then went on to win the tougher puffer 160k's she then won the fish river canyon ultra that's 100k's and then she went and won the antiqua quest which is 108 kilometers all very impressive all in one year all very impressive but she's currently going through a very tough time in life isn't she yeah yeah she's suffering with injury so injury (laughs) (laughs) she came in strolling with a pair of crutches (laughs) neck pair of crutches but she is on her road to recovery carbon fiber crutches not carbon fiber maybe that's what she needed for a speedier recovery hey (laughs) but guys honestly she is an inspirational woman she's got an incredible story she's run races all over the world and still is such a aspiration for running even more races she loves coaching she loves all the athletes that she coaches currently living vicariously through them and she's just an overall fantastic human being Sit back, guys. This is Linda. For, for an ultra trail runner coming into this uh, studio today, you made quite an entrance. Just to paint the listeners a little picture. So uh, Linda Doak, guys, that's, that's who we are chatting to today. And she is an ultra distance trail runner. She's got quite a CV on her. And we'll, we'll, we'll chat quite a bit about that. But she, she's arrived here with a chauffeur and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a chauffeur who went too far in the car park and almost mounted the curb, which I saw. <laughs> and David just walked swiftly away from that situation. Didn't want to get involved. Nope. But she's on crutches, guys. So it's 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 quite a, a situation she finds herself in two weeks post-op and uh, trying to recover from quite a serious injury that she's been carrying for, for a long time. But we'll, we'll, we'll chat about that as well today. But Linda, welcome. Thank you for being on, on the show today. Let's start off at the beginning of your your trail running journey which uh as far as i understand started after you got into ultra distance road running 26 yes. years yes let's not highlight that too much shall we? <laughs> the yes. experience oh, sorry <laughs> thanks for inviting me guys both of you nick and dave um yeah i the crutches issue i don't know how much of a, a good advert that is for ultra distance running so but good, yes. good advert for crutches who who, who makes those crutches <laughs> where they're from <laughs> Yeah, they're not speed speed, speed crushes, not carbon fiber. Uh, um, yeah, my ultra distance journey started very early on into my running. I was a road runner um, for sure. My first easily 10, 12 years of 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 running. Um, I lived in Joburg, and in those days, long time ago, um, there wasn't trail running, and certainly wasn't anything like that in Joburg. But there was obviously all focus on road and particularly comrades 
and I added oceans to that little repertoire because it was any excuse to get to Cape Town. So that yeah. was how I spent Easter every year, is down at the um, Two Oceans Marathon. Um, so yeah, I did oceans for almost 16 consecutive. <laughs> I think near the end there, I, I missed a year. And yeah, comrades, comrades was every year. I Ten I just, comrades, correct. Yes, yes, yes. Got that green number. Yeah, and everyone says, oh, you've got to now run with your green number. Uh, no. No, no, I don't. No need for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, You've no, achieved no. it. You don't need to do mm. any of that. And what was your best time at Comrades? 8.01. 8.01. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. So I have to ask, um, you loved road run- running, mm. but obviously longer, longer distance. Yeah, I, I realized that very early on. Um, I was never a short distance speedster. You um, had endurance. I had endurance. And I, I was one of those classic beginner runners where I, I yeah. did it reluctantly. <laughs> I took up running reluctantly. I couldn't really quite see the sense because I'd always run for sport. I'd played a lot of hockey at school. I'd done all sports, but always, you know, with a stick or chasing a ball, sure. or, you know. Um, but to run just along a road, I didn't quite <laughs> see the point. But <laughs> I took it up because I had just come back from time overseas and I'd been nannying and I'd been not exercising and mm, I needed to get fit. So uh, my boyfriend at the time said, you know, running is the way. So you sort of just stumbled into, you know, following a program or did you just one oh. day just go run and you, and you built up the kilometers yeah. and then sort of you found yourself wanting to do, was it Comrades was your first ultra distance or two oceans? Um, uh, my first was Oceans. Okay, so yeah. you qualified for Comrades with two Oceans or... Yeah, the following year. So, for instance, oh, I think it was in 94 was my first year. I was born in 1994. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> hey, that's not what she wanted <laughs> to hear. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, drop that at the beginning. Oh, sorry, guys. Beautiful, we have something beautiful. in common, though. So. <laughs> okay, so while you were um, being, yes, being or, breastfed, yes. <laughs> I was um, uh, getting busy for my first... No, I was, that first year of running, I did my first 21, my first couple of marathons. A magical oh. time in anyone's running career, you know, ticking off those yeah, boxes, doing your yeah. first half marathon, marathon. That's it. Yeah, it's, it yeah. is a great time. I'll never forget my first marathon. Yeah. It's like, even though like you, you always, I mean, you're a much different runner, you know, now, but mm. it's always something that will stick with you and you're always, because you can't change it. You can't change like yeah. how you started running, which is, yeah. it's something nice about that. My first marathon hurt. It really did. Which it was, one was it? It was long. Um, it was somewhere in Midrand. I think it was in Irene. I can't remember what it was okay. called. But I went back years later and I did it again. The, um, okay. Just to, or vengeance. Just to <laughs> make it more of a positive experience because my memory of that first marathon, and I think this is probably common with everybody's, or many people's first marathon, is it's the first time at that long distance. Yeah. And you need to, the next time you do that, you know that you've already re- achieved that goal. You know that you can, so it'll hurt less. Well, um, I think that's what you say to people. It's You just can't quite mentally prepare for how sore yes. that, that distance that you haven't covered, how much it compounds, yeah. which, I mean, that's where it's amazing. Then the, the endurance feats come in. I mean, mm. then moving from running a marathon to doing double that mm. and a bit change with comrades, 
But mm. um, let's face it, that's uh, that's not where you stopped. <laughs> I mean, uh, comrades is like a short run to you nowadays. Yeah. I mean, uh, if if you look at this the CV, I mean, I I picked out just just a few things. Nick, just, was, Nick was like a like a, a, a boy on Christmas morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> show, showing us the CV. Well, it's quite nice because on on Linda's coaching website, she she lays it out very nicely. It's got all the positions. I mean, how how many wins have you had in your in your career as a professional trail runner i think it like it must be like in the 20s 30s mm, it's like Nick, i, I don't know it's i don't lot. i don't really approach so don't it's like the green number i don't know but i mean it's it's incredible you've run from all over southern africa you've run in in asian countries himalayas mm. india you reunion island uh, a lot of european trail races iceland. in the mountains iceland that was mm. awesome i mean that you you've pretty much done a lot and yeah. <laughs> you you still you're still going obviously you're going through a little bit of a a, a problem right now but mm-hmm. i'm sure the goal is still to to continue yeah. on on that path and continue racing trail races around the world is that so yeah absolutely this is a this is a blip <laughs> on my radar um uh but when i come right absolutely i've i've never run in the states that's what i wanted I've to ask also never run in australia or new zealand so those are definite. So those big hundred Somewhere. milers in the states, Western mm. states, all of those—is that something that's been? Western states doesn't appeal. Doesn't no, appeal it's to It's too you. a long open running, and my days of that are over. I used to get excited by that kind of running. I used to do a lot of desert running, uh, but no, I prefer mountains really. So I, I'm more hard rock kind of girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, what what made you get into the trail side of things after getting your your comrades green number? What was the penny that dropped to to say, okay, well, I'm mm. done with this road stuff. I want to get on the trails. I moved to Cape Town. Ah, oh, good enough answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I moved to Cape Town still as a road runner, and I continued road running there for a couple of years. But I added, uh, while I was road running, I started hiking and exploring the mountains and just loving. And then I heard of this race called the Puffer. This is in my first year in Cape Town, and that was in 2002, and the puffer had been going for some years. Um, and a friend of mine was doing his first puffer, and the night before the puffer, so for those people who don't know, the puffer is an 80K ultra f- that starts at uh, Cape Point, and it runs to the waterfront over the mountains with some road here and there to when you cross through certain suburbs. And he needed somebody along the way to just support him. And he said to me, come and run the last leg. Now, the last leg is 30Ks. It's from Constantia Neck, up the back of Table Mountain, along the top, mm-hmm. down Platterclip, mm-hmm. and uh, along Signal Hill, and then down to the waterfront. And I, in my ignorance, thought, well, I'm fit enough. Because, <laughs> of course, I was fit enough, but I was road fit. Mm. I didn't even own a pair of trail shoes, but I, I thought... Hey, that's only 30Ks. Yeah, sure, I'll meet you tomorrow. So I did. I joined, I joined him at, for that last leg. And that's where the trail bug hit. It really did. And ah, I loved it. So loved it, went, it. It, went well, it went well for you then, that, 30, that 30Ks? Yeah. You it, sort of you excelled in that, the mountains, you know, you realized that you were good on the mountains. Well, yeah, I, I, I could do it. I, I really could do it. And, and, the, and the following year, I did my own puffer. And I must say, it was it was really hard coming down Platterclip. By then, it was hot. I was I was in fourth position of the ladies, but not far up the field at all. I was qu- quite 
behind. And um, I remember just sitting down on one of the rock steps, this blazing heat, and saying to a tourist who was making her way up, I, I was almost crying. I think, I think I'd run out of nutrition and I was thinking, oh. And she said to me, well, why, why are you doing yeah, this? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, why? I look at you and I think you're crazy. And I think that's what made me realize, you know what? Don't try and explain it to this person who's clearly not a runner. Just get up and finish it. And yeah, my, my puffer history... I have a lot of history with with puffer. I, I think yeah, there, there, there was a lot of uh, tougher puffer in that in yeah, that list. Tougher puffer is the is the double. Um, okay. They don't do it anymore, sadly, because it's there's quite a complication with uh, sand parks and not being allowed to run in the reserve at night and all of that. But in those days, you tougher puffer started the day before the puffer. So on the Friday before at eight a.m., you set off from the waterfront, and you ran the puffer route backwards. Uh, to Cape Point, you turn around <laughs> and so you, and you then ran, you, uh, ran back. You know Cape Town at all. And I mean, yeah. that that's 160 Ks, correct? Yeah, it's slightly short of, okay. but, but yeah. Essentially 100 miles. Yeah, yeah. So 100 miles is far, guys. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounds like it's achievable, like especially when you go from like running to 90 Ks, getting like a comrade, you think, in, okay, in well. In no ways does it sound achievable. No, but it doesn't sound as hard as what it actually flipping is. Like uh, I've I only it sounds been, just as hard. Jeez, mm-hmm. 160 know. kilometers. It's just numbers, Davey. You don't actually numbers. know how much it hurts. Your I can l- see. I've seen enough. Yeah, we've seen I've it. witnessed yeah, enough people go through so much pain. <laughs> Yeah. But you must love me. the pain. Yeah, it's a strange kind of pain. Um, I'm not a lover of injury pain, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as you can see. But I, um, and I, and I do listen to my body. When I'm having injury pain, I, I heed it and I pretty much stop. But <laughs> And I go and seek help. But when it's pain, uh, like fatigue pain and the pushing through pain and the, dig- the digging deep. I'm good at the digging deep. I'm good at the grit you know, that, that kind of pain and the, the pain in the head and all the negativity and pushing yeah. that away because the negative voices are huge. You know, you go through a, a zillion emotions mm. when, you, when you're out there for a long time, especially in if, if your race, whatever race it is, especially if it's in tough conditions. So, for instance, I've done a lot of uh, running in, a, in heat, hectic heat, desert. desert you know, right. Like how hot it was today in Durban. Because <laughs> that was hot for me. <laughs> tell, tell us about I'm some talking, of those desert experiences. Talking late forties, hot. Um, at least dry heat. I've never run in. I never run a race in humid heat. I'm talking, you know, forties plus humidity. I I haven't done that. I've chosen not to do that. But forties in a dry heat, it's really hard. But it's it's doable. It's a lot of self management in terms of hydration and nutrition. And head space, a lot of a lot of strong head. So I, I want to know because this is also something that like I, I know Nick. Well, Nick and I have been you know contemplating. I, maybe more me than Nick. But what would you say to somebody who's wanting to, you know, get into or maybe consider doing their first ultra distance? And I'm talking, you know, anywhere a hundred plus, and and specifically the hundred miler because I feel like it's such a it's such a long distance that you don't even know because obviously so I've done comrades Nick you've done comrades I know you've you know pl- toyed with the idea of doing like a UTD 100 miler one day but how do you get there how, when do you know you're ready like 
And, and then also talk us through, you know, how did you get into a training program to do your first 100 miler? Okay, uh, I'm probably not going to be a good advert for that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a coach and I really believe in people seeking advice. I did not. <laughs> in those days, coaching wasn't something that you grabbed and reached for sort of readily. There weren't coaches out there. Obviously, there were in road running, but um, I think, I think not in trail running. I think um, coaches have become a lot more readily available now to amateur athletes. I think coaches mm. were very much for mm. pro athletes. Yes. Um, but e- even exactly. now, I think a lot of people think, I don't need a coach, I'm an I'm a amateur athlete. But coaches are for everybody. Yes. But I think also exactly. trail running in general, when you were when you were getting into trail running it it definitely wasn't what running is and Mm. trail running is now you know Mm. and that's one of the ways that i sort of said to you like the fact is that you were doing these amazing things you were doing these amazing trails competing at the top level when you know it it wasn't a niche thing to be on the trails and Mm. running trail which i think is just such an incredible feat Mm. you know but Tell us that that story of, I mean, your first 100 miler, how you got into it, and perhaps not having that coaching advice was one of the reasons why you then turned to becoming a coach yourself yeah. and uh, advising people along the way. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good point that I, I like to believe I, I give advice from the mistakes I've made along the way. And I think, I think that's important as a, as a coach to have that depth of experience you know, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of good runners think that they can. You know, they've they've had the podium finishes. They must they can then coach. But actually, I think you need depth of experience. You really do. You need to have made the mistakes, learned the lessons. That's important, and be able to work with people and advise people accordingly. I I think just in answer to your question, Dave, I I think the most important thing when you if you're hungry for a, a long goal like a hundred miler, or let's say a hundred k, it's a very, it's a very scary thought. That's a big number. That's a lot of k's. But you, you just like in comrades, you don't look at it as one picture. You've got to break it up. Yeah. You've got to break it up. Make it doable. You build gradually. Um, so, for instance, if you're building up to your first hundred k, then you know do a couple of fifties. Do a few of the Shorter ultras, uh, learn along the way how how you work with your nutrition, what your system, how your system reacts to certain gels, certain products. You know what does and doesn't work for you, and you got to you got to make mistakes to to learn the lessons. And the coach can only give you so many of those lessons because not everything is applicable to the person. Yeah. Um, so. You've got to you've got to learn along the way. Yeah, I think it's it's you know obviously it's just such a hard you know thing to do a hundred mile or any long distance. So a lot of questions come to mind. It's like how do you even train for something like that? Because there's so few people to even do things like that with mm. and, and train you know train towards something. I mean with road running you know if you want to do a twenty one k or a forty two k, there's plenty of people training for the same thing. So. It's a it's a very isolated sport. Um, there's not a lot of people that that manage to successfully get into it and then excel at it like you have. Yeah, I, I guess that has improved over over time. The 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 circle has got bigger and wider. But I think uh, one thing we're not so lucky with in South Africa is the ability to run anywhere, anytime. 
especially as women, unfortunately, we have to really be careful where we run, don't run alone in certain places, etc. And, you know, there are even mountains, lots of mountains in Cape Town where you just mustn't run, even as a guy, even as three guys together, don't do it. But that said, there are more mountains where you can in Cape Town. Yeah. So I'm just using Cape Town as an example. Um, but I, I certainly think anybody who's wanting to run a 100-miler must get night running experience. Um, you know, uh, so just, just to get, A, familiar with the logistics and fiddling around with a good headlamp and what is and isn't a good headlamp. And then also how night running works, kind of what to expect from it, where to look, where to aim your, 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 your beam, is it running on sand, is it running on, 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 on flat. So for instance, a tip on running on, on sand is to actually have two lights, one either in your hand or attached to your belt. If it's attached to your belt, it'll jump up and down a bit. But if you can have your headlamp on, um, that sends a beam in a certain direction, down from a certain angle, I mean. But a beam held in your hand at a lower, more horizontal beam um, shows up the bumps in the sand. And it's it's brilliant to have both angles. So then... Yeah. I, I have so much respect for, <laughs> for trail runners because I trip over ordinary objects in my house because I, <laughs> I don't look where I, I walk. And even on the road, like I'll trip over a, a cat eye. And then on the trail, you guys have so much to worry about. I mean, tr tripping and falling is like uh, the huge part of it. And there's so much focus and attention required it's one of the reasons why I hate trail running. It's because <laughs> it's just like it demands so much from you. Like with road running, you can you can almost turn off. You know that on a flat road, you just you can turn that off and focus on on running. But then with trail running, it's just it, it's actually mind blowing. And then especially with the ultra distances, when you're running for 20, 30, 40 hours, and you got to you got to focus for so long. It's just. Mm. I really, I really take my hat off to you. It's, it's, it's really just a completely different sport. You know, we had, we had Zakiti Nene. He's a 400 meter sprint specialist or 200 meter sprint specialist. And sprinting is running, right? It, you would say it's, it's the same sport. Yeah, we, did, we didn't know how to speak to it's, him. It's just on <laughs> different planets. And then you look at road running and trail running. And they also, that you think that there's sort of, there's a crossover. There's definitely a better crossover there than there is on uh, sprinting, especially in the endurance stuff. I mean, if you're doing 90 Ks and you're training for 90 Ks like a comrades, it definitely crosses over into fitness on the trails as well. But it's a different technical sport and the technical element is something that you simply can't train for unless you're practicing on the trails exactly and you keep on mentioning the importance of the mountains in cape town and that's just something that you know is very particular to cape town so i want to ask a question do you need to be in cape town to really make uh -huh. it at the top level of I trail have, running? i have a follow-up question on that <laughs> well let's answer let's hear yeah, the, first let's, let's the first answer you know what i am biased i just i love cape town i love its mountains and when i uh, don't get me wrong when i say cape town i talk about the western cape yeah. so you know your mountains in george stunning the cedarburg stunning all perfect playgrounds for trail uh yonkers hook you know behind stellenbosch etc etc so it's a wide it's a, it, the whole province I'm, I'm referring no, to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, as you're saying that, I'm going, yes, I love that. Oh, I mm. love that. <laughs> but, you know, wherever your mountains are, the more mountainous, the better. Absolutely. I'm very jealous of my 
brother and, and sister-in-law, they live in France. They live in the Alps. Mm. Yeah. You know? What wow. about altitude? Because Cape Town obviously is yeah. very so, so there is. So Cape Town is not the perfect place mm. if you're needing to adapt uh, to run UTD, for mm. instance. Um, and I showed that year before last because I got altitude sickness and had to pull out. And in fact, any race that I've done in Europe that has involved altitude, mm. I've always gone and prepped for at sure. altitude. And that was the one race that I didn't, and I fell short. So no, you don't have to live in Cape Town, of course not. But if you are training for a trail race that has a specific type of terrain, you need to train specific to that type of terrain. So for instance, if you're training for a hot desert, if you're training for the Tanqua, you need to run, do all your runs at two in the afternoon in summer. Joe Kepler yeah. smashed that. The, the tank yeah. Give yeah. us a little bit yeah. of a background about the Tanqua Crossing for the listeners that don't know what that hmm. is. I haven't done it. Yeah, I don't know, but what, what <laughs> is it? It's the crossing but through the Tanqua yeah. Desert. Yeah, the first running how, of it was this. How was far this, is it? Yeah. It's a, it's a 200K. Oh. It's a 200K, it's I understand. Decent, decent Look, it's, it, it's hellishly far, and it's a point-to-point and it's hot as hell, and the road is flat. There, the, the, there's very little elevation. I know you guys are not looking <laughs> very enthused by this description. Oh, but no, no, no. I <laughs> I'm not enthused by it either anymore. I used to. Um, I used to get excited by that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't anymore, but I have full, full respect for anybody who completes that because... You know, oh, it's tough conditions, and and not only the heat, but but you know the, the 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 focus you need, the determination, because you're running along a road, and you can see that road mm. until yeah. you can't see it anymore. You know, over there, until the road disappears, and you can't let that bother you. You've just got to grind it out, um, and you know that takes a huge amount of yeah. grit. Well, it's a constant fighting your demons off and, and going yeah. through highs and lows and highs yeah. and lows and balancing that for days on end, especially when you're doing multi-day yeah. stage races. I mean, what is the longest distance that you've run in terms of a race? In any uh, in one go, the longest distance I did was the Drakensberg Grand Traverse. Mm. Um, what, you, 270, is that? No, no, 212 or 212. 214. And yeah. you, you hold the mix record for yes. that? What, how, how how many hours? <laughs> 63, 33. Hey. <laughs> so 63 and a half hours of continuous running. Yeah, we did well, stop twice for two power hours. Power hiking. Two lots of, of, of sleep uh, for two hours at a time. Yeah, look, there's Can a lot of power hiking. Sleep? <laughs> oh, yes. You go into <laughs> deep, deep sleep, sleep, I promise. <laughs> and but you, And your alarm on your wrist wakes you oh, up. No. You did that with Rana Grissel. Yes, yes. So Davies, Davies knew wife. Uh, her, her her former surname her is maiden her maiden surname mm. Chrysal oh yes not so related oh, okay. not related we've checked eh? yeah. you said so it, there's no chance for superhuman uh, <laughs> babies coming our way huh? I mean the Fick family's got some good genes uh, and I'm uh, just joking uh, <laughs> hey look no Reno is uh, on a completely different level he is a powerhouse of note you know he's very understated I know he's got he's got fantastic achievements and all of that but he's never the one to blow his own trumpet he he's a phenomenal athlete and he has such strength of mind but on a race like that i mean you guys are, are pulling each other through like there's there's always is there a time where you both are just having a 
hellishly horrible time and you just want to get off that mountain or is there like always someone just saying come on Linda we can do this we can we can push through they always they always is somebody. there has to be someone yeah you know I I don't think that's always the case with with um with pair teams or doubles teams I've seen in in some in some races I've done I've seen teams that fighting and they hating each other and the ones in tears and the other ones yelling <laughs> i thankfully in all of the team events i've done there's always been nothing but 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 positivity between me and and my partner and that's really important um i think you and i success. should enter into the <laughs> oh, as a team you reckon uh, hey, i think we'd have a have a mayor of a time <laughs> a mayor of a time a mayor, I think. think about how many that's 63 hours for us to chat to each other i'm just worried if you're ever going to have anything positive to say and uh, pull me through uh, what do you mean <laughs> you're just going to want to get off that mountain <laughs> <laughs> okay wait so, so that's so that's the longest continuous run you've done yes yes the, the longest staged run you've done um that was eight days that was the transalpine run which um, is i partnered ryan sands in that um that was in 20 ooh, you were probably just out of nappies that Tommy? was 20 2012 uh, <laughs> i'm matriculated thank you very much <laughs> out of uh, nappies. Done, uh, 18 years old legal to drive all right <laughs> um uh, that was a great race it's still it's still held it's still happening it started in Germany and <laughs> <laughs> crossed uh, the entire width of Austria and ended in Italy in the Dolomites. That I like started. how it starts with uh, the country where it started. It's Sauce not even like a Germany. place. It's not even like a, <laughs> where's it, where's like a Germany? city. It's in Germany and then it goes to Italy. So it's with Austria in between. Yeah, it was 310k. Yeah, it was 310k, yeah. On the, on the second last day or something, there was some <laughs> avalanche or something. So they had to add... They had to <laughs> detour us a bit and it added another 10 or something. So what, What's the toughest race you've ever done? Um, probably that Drakensberg Grand Traverse because it was solo. It, it, not solo, it was me and Reno, but it was totally unsupported. Did you cry? No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have cried in front of Reno, no. So have you ever cried <laughs> on an ultra trail run? Finishing, yes, finishing. Oh, no, I'm not interested in That's that. That's not the I'm answer not you wanted, right? Not tears of joy. Oh, okay. I want to know if something's been so difficult that you've literally been like, if no, this, no. No, no, But I tell you what, also, if I can give a dual answer to that, the other toughest race I did was the was a seven-day self-sufficient race, the Iceland one. Oh, sounds lovely. I'd like to run there. That one's called Racing the Planet. Uh, yeah, Racing the Planet <laughs> is the is the company, and okay. they um, they do they run uh, four events a year, always in a desert. They're always in desert uh, conditions, be it hot or cold. And then every second year, they have a roaming race added to that. And that year was in Iceland, and it was in Iceland's summer. And I put that in inverted mm. commas, yeah, because. Hell, it was cold. The temperature was between minus five and about 10 degrees max. 10 degrees max and minus five at night. Um, there was no snow or ice or anything like that, but we obviously hit a cold front in the middle of their so-called summer. summer. And rain, pelting rain from, you know, almost horizontal, together with wind, and obviously, it, you know, we were dressed accordingly with all the mandatory kit, which we had to carry. That's the thing about a seven-day stage race. You're carrying all your food for seven days. And so on the last day, you super And your light. kit. Yeah. 
And your kit and your sleeping bag and your mattress, you know, change of kit, anything. The only thing that they provide you with is water. Oh, you obviously can't carry seven yeah. days of water. So you're provided with water at every checkpoint. But that's all. That is it. Oh, and shelter at night. Oh, you you sleep kind. in there. Yeah, yeah. Very kind. And um, <laughs> we'll give were, you water and, and a roof over your head. <laughs> and you must pay a fortune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you, and uh, it, you know, at the end of each day, we'd all get into camp sodden, sodden. Oh, in the distance of the seven days, there, you run for six of them. And there's a rest day on day four. And the longest day is about 84 Ks or something. And you wet. we were wet at the end of each day. And the thing is, there's no hot shower. There's no bath. There's oh. no change of dry kit or anything because you're carrying it all. So there's the tent and there's eight of you in a tent and we would just crawl into our sleeping bag. You take off your wet stuff and you just dump it in the corner and you put on the dry stuff that you wore last night and the night before and the night before and the night before that you've carried and and you we just eight of us spooned to yeah. keep ourselves but warm now, all but night. But now answer this. <laughs> S- say you pull something and you need to ice it. Do you need <laughs> I to don't ice think it? You need to. Or you just go lie and go outside. <laughs> you just, there's no need you to ice anything. Outside. You just go stand outside. That, Hell yeah. So That's you, you were the second woman in that race. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, how many people, how many people take part, how many yeah. people take part in a race like that? Because there's a lot of like these these what I would define as as crazy mm-hmm. ultra trail staged races mm-hmm. through in, like insane places in the world. Uh, how many people come to Iceland to run a race like that? Yeah, uh, about 360. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot more than what I thought would yeah, be. How many yeah. people finish? I can't remember the fallout race with that. Three. But <laughs> <laughs> I think 100%. there were more than two of us. But, um, no, um, there, there's always a significant fallout race because a uh, fallout in a, in a race like that because it, you yeah, know, people just either get the helling or <laughs> or they um, yeah Sheepers. or the standing outside doesn't quite work. So I I also wanted to just um, come back quickly back onto the topic of Cape Town if you don't mind because I'm going to forget it, but. Uh, Nick asked the question, do you have to be in Cape Town to be a, a really good, you know, trail runner? But then I want to ask the question, are South African trail runners in the right environment to be going overseas and racing against elite runners in Europe? Do you think that carbon fiber shoes can make a difference in your running speed? You should try Cool Ideas Fiber Internet Solutions for your home or business. They're fast effective and take the podium for the best customer service in the game i've the, the the runners that i've seen trail runners and i don't know a lot of trail runners but the ones that i've seen in south africa going overseas don't really compare and don't match up and is that because we can't replicate the environment that we're running in or or, or what is it because I, I haven't seen a south african runner a trail runner except maybe a Ryan Sands but even him going overseas and competing overseas and in the big races mind you where where there's a lot of elite athletes UTMB I, you're talking I'm specifically mainly talking about UTMB but there are a lot of other races in Europe that that you know we send athletes to and they don't really perform so why is that you know uh, that's not quite true by the way um of late in the past couple of years literally two or, or, or so years there have been some very good South African performances in the shorter races okay um and uh but I'm talking the sky marathons and that that kind of thing yeah Absolutely, they they are. They you know the women are in the top five. 
Because, I mean, take, okay, so to take uh, Tony McCann, Absolutely. for example. Like, yes. Tony is obviously, she is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and she is killing it throughout. I mean, she's doing some longer distances, is, is she not? I can't remember exactly, but no, no, no. She's not, not long, long distance. No. Okay. So would you say that South African athletes are in the right direction in terms of competing on an international level? Yeah, 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 yeah. And with each year, more so. Um, and, and um you know they're they're inspiring and showing it can be done. So absolutely, yeah, I agree. Um, but altitude, I think, and exposure to it remains a something we lack. You know, yeah. we, you can't all just go trotting off to the Drakensberg every weekend. I um, mean, I mean, also you look at the big brands. I mean, you run for Solomon. Um, look at Adidas. What Adidas yeah. are doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, with their elite team, you know, yes. you just go on training camp after training camp after training camp and in all these European countries and they spend their entire time there training mm. for those events. It's hard to compete. It's hard to mm. be in South Africa training in, in Cape Town and then go and yeah. you know, race against a team like that who's just been exposed to those conditions. It's a big pond out there and it's yeah. a small pond in South Africa. Yeah. But but there are good performances here and very talented runners. And let's, let's hope that uh, with each year there can be more and more exposure for those runners. Do you have any up-and-coming athletes that you've been looking at thinking, wow, that, you know, someone's going to really do well, anyone that you, that you think deserves a, a shout-out? I did used to coach Joe. Okay, <laughs> yes, of course. Okay. Uh, it's a difficult question, it but, is. I, but I'm, cu- uh, I'm, cu- I'm I'll curious. I'll be seen to, to be favouring, but uh, certainly Matthew Clark is, okay. is absolutely, you know, he, he has fantastic potential. And he's Cape Town based? Yes, he is. Um, I can see where this is going, though. <laughs> not everybody's no, in Cape no, Town. No, go- it's not going yeah, anywhere. Because I, I, I can think of another runner, Max Miller, another one of my runners. He's Joburg-based. Okay. Now, Max prefers shorter distances from Matt. Um, Matt is about to run his second 100-miler at, at UTCT, and he'll do well. He's so determined. He's consistent with his training. He's, you know, he's showing great promise. As is Max, and Max Max specialises more in the forty k distance. Forty, he's about to do the PT fifty five at Ultra Trail Cape Town. Okay, um, and you know he'll do well. Awesome, we look forward to that. Yeah. Well, uh, just touching back on on what Davy mentioned in terms of some of those European races, is something like UT Mont Blanc on on your to do list, or how how do you sit with that? Yeah. Um, I would love to do UTMB, but I've never tried to get in um, because it's quite a palaver to get in. It is. Hey, it's like it, you go really onto is. the website, and if you don't know anything about trail running, you look at it. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's also like most of it's in French. Like they don't even. No, <laughs> it's not that. No, you used to have a certain number of points that you used to have to. You'd have to collect yeah. uh, having done various, which meant I, I think the original thinking behind that is that they didn't want beginners taking on, uh, you know, this this. It is very hard to get into. Yeah, it is. But now things have things have changed. It's still hard. Uh, it's just the system has changed. You have to collect now what is called stones. In other words, on on um, I can collect stones <laughs> on the Ultra Trail World Circuit, only those races have stones. So you, it's quite a clever uh, business business model actually, because it means that they're making you do their races. And is UTCT uh, one of those races? Yes, yes, okay. it is. So but you go, you can't have one stone. 
No, so you, no, <laughs> you need no, multiple no. stones. Yeah, you need multiple So basically, stones. if you want to run UTMB, you have to go to Europe and run a lot of races there. Yeah, you and you have to collect them over a, a limited number of years. You can't sort of take a break and carry on stone collecting four years later. That, that, those are now redundant. You have to start again. So they need Jeez. you to be currently a good runner. So, so why is UTMB runner. so popular? Is it, I mean, obviously it's a beautiful course. Is mm. it the toughest course? Well, I mean... I actually don't know. I know that I know that it's a very confusing race, and I know that there's lots of different segments of UTMB. Like, there's the shorter ones, the longer oh, ones. Oh, okay, but those are not called UTMB. Yeah, there is exactly. only UTMB, which is how long? That's a hundred miler. So it's one hundred and sixty-four k's. It, uh, it's it's no. It's by no means the toughest. I think it's very difficult to make any one race label any one race as the toughest. I mean. Half of the American trail running population would be up in arms because <laughs> they have several that are the toughest. I, not having done hard rock, but a friend of mine having done both UTMB and hard rock, hard rock is harder. So no, it's not that UTMB is the hardest, um, the toughest. It's been very well marketed for years. It's it's epic in its in its beauty and and its location. It's it's the circuit. It's a uh, it's long been, oh, for decades, it's been um, a hiking route. So it's like the Tour de France of cycling, kind of. It's of, of trail. Uh, I mean, of yeah, trail, I suppose, yeah, I suppose so. In so some it's ways. an iconic race. Yeah, but there are many. Yeah. You know, it's well, not that's fair the thing to, about to trail. focus. There's, yeah. there's so much out there, you yeah. know, and like even you look at your CV and it's just like overwhelming the amount of races that you've done. And I mean, that's like a small percentile of international yeah. 100-miler, 100K races that mm. people can go and do. So, I mean, how does one go about choosing a race, yeah. you know? So I'm sure you have athletes that come come to you. They want to do this, this ultra distance thing. They don't really know where to start. I mean... Obviously, you having done certain races, do you favor those races because you know more about them and you say experience is such an important factor. Mm. So being a coach that has experienced those races yourself, it's easier to guide a, a runner through that race. But if a runner wants to do a certain race that you haven't done, then you having to do research mm. on that race. Mm. I mean, where do you sit with that in terms of advising people? I mean, there's such varying options yeah. that, that they can go into where does one even start absolutely and also not all of my runners are local yeah you know an inter, uh, an international runner uh, might want to prepare for an international race so i really don't know that terrain at all but absolutely yes i research it so for instance i've got a runner in japan not japanese a south african <laughs> runner in to tokyo tokyo is flat as a pancake <laughs> But there are uh, races and there are reserves and parks and stuff that are nearby. And, you know, she wants to prepare for races next year. So I, I, I research. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and in terms of what's available, it's unbelievable. You, must, you only need to Google 100-mile <laughs> trail race in the States and there's one every weekend. It's mm. crazy. Jeez. One of my runners is just uh, – he lives in Zambia – and he has just done a, he's just achieved a thing called the Triple Crown, which is three 200-mile races. And each, uh, each has two months in between. So his first one was, I think it was... 360 Ks. Uh, yeah, yeah, 200, you know, that's the maths. 1. I don't know, 6, I was yeah. thinking in miles, but yeah. Um, 320. So the first one is, the, is, is around Lake Tahoe. And would you believe it, shame? He got, 
he got severe backache in the 175th mile. Do you know what? I'd, and I'd, had to pull I'm, out. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I would also get severe back pain in the 170. But imagine having to pull out. When you've got 25 miles to go. But, you know, that sounds a little, but 25 miles is still a hell of a long way. That's really a long way. That is so far, but it's just, you know, unless you've experienced it. 25 miles is a marathon. It is a marathon, absolutely. And when you've got 175 miles on your legs. He then did the next one, which was Bigfoot. So he still... He still participated as in the Triple Crown, which is these three races, mm. having not achieved the first one, but practically, you know, almost there. Uh, the second one was called Bigfoot. That's in the Cascades Mountains the, um, in California, I think. Um, that was two months later, uh, which he achieved. That was 215 miles. He achieved that. And then he did the other one, the final one the other day, Moab, in the Moab, Moab. Desert. <laughs> and that was 240 miles, and he achieved that. So, you know, there are crazy races out there. That it's are insane just, what the human body yeah. can And can there endure. are waiting lists for these races. The entries have just opened now for next year, and already they're full. It's, it's phenomenal. So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know where to start when it comes to trail <laughs> running. Yes. But your your story with trail running obviously then developed into the love for the sport that you have nowadays and the coaching side of things came along. How, how long have you been a coach for now? And maybe give give your, your coaching uh, a little bit of a shout mm-hmm. out, how people can get a hold of you uh, if they are interested in taking on these, these ultra trail distance events. Where, where did you even start with the coaching? What made you decide? I started off small, just with a, uh, literally two or three runners uh, that I coached for free. And then, and then based on their positive feedback, it grew, it grew from there. Um, that was about five or six years ago. Um, and the more I've coached, the, lo- the, the, the more I've coached, the less, the less I've run because <laughs> I, I just find it, I find it so rewarding. I really do. I, I don't want to run less, I must say, but focusing on grooming other people in their, in their rise, in their growth, shall I say, their mm. growth, discovering what they can do for themselves. Are listening? I, I love it. I, I can totally you need to start running less, yeah. my friend. I'm very annoyed with Nick at the moment. <laughs> Nick's running more. Nick's, Nick's <laughs> my coach, and at the moment he's he's, he's I'm running eating, too I'm much. E- I'm eating his dust. Put it that way. But they, they <laughs> I'm like been hey. on honeymoon. He got married. Like I've cut him some slack. I just kept training. And uh, I'm now getting messages from Davey in the mornings <laughs> after a run where he's feeling quite upset with me. So I need, I need, to, I need to hold <laughs> back. And that's what I wanted to ask because, I mean, it is you do end up sacrificing some of yourself. But when you see that spark in someone and their love for the mm. sport that you love mm. just starts to shine through mm. and you, you, you know that you've played a big role in, in facilitating that. Mm. I think it's such a rewarding thing. It really is a rewarding thing. Just, you know, when this person first contacted you with this such and such a goal and he or she doesn't know if they can achieve it, but, you know, and then, you know, you go through the process with them and then they, they achieve yeah. it. They just, wow, they, they've grown. They've, they're now looking for, they're hungry for bigger goals. They've realized they can, they want more. The you too, Dave, can do trail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't want to do trail. I prefer. I've accepted that um, trail is too difficult. I will stick to my road. I like trail running. I definitely want to do more trail runs, but 
I, do, I just prefer I prefer running running faster. Put it that way. Mm. Like like the endurance and the long distance stuff. I don't. I think also if you look at where you're more talented, you know, I think trail running is more is more of a you know an, an enjoyment sort of go out and do a few races, but you'll never really perform. But whilst I can run now, I'm, I want to focus on shorter, more road stuff. But then right. but then maybe one day I really want to do UTD. Yes. really really that's always been like up there on on a bucket list for me not too sure about the 100 miler also because i don't i think utd is an exceptionally hard race running in the Drakensberg for 20ks is in my mm-hmm. opinion difficult the altitude gets to you the terrain gets to you i think there's a lot easier 100 milers or trail races that i'd like to do like karkloof we had our friend andrew rasmus run that again this year and that appeals to me the lower altitude um, more runnable more runnable so yeah i'll get there <laughs> yeah uh for, for davy as as he mentioned i think for that that focus he, he needs he needs to work a lot on that mm-hmm. element especially on the trails otherwise it'll happen to him again uh rhino peak challenge there's a there's a sequence oh, yes. of photos where this guy's rolling down the hill <laughs> and uh i mean i'm sure that was the only time that the only photos that were captured but it probably wasn't the first time that he that he took a bit of a tumble on that no, race. you know what you actually lie maxi race i had a good race maxi race 45k i did it i did go should go into trail i know i should go into trail there you <laughs> go there you go you're not even realizing <laughs> Do you know what you're natural Chill running is just expensive as all. Well. Yeah. My word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like enter a road race, 200 bucks, yeah. 300 bucks, yeah. you're good to go. Chill race. I mean, it's U- all the kits as well. It's all the kit as well. UTCT. You want to go run the 35K, you're giving them like two and a half thousand rand. You want to go do the 100 miler. I didn't even bother looking, but it is scary expensive. And I, and yeah. I assume that's economies of scale. You know, a, a road run you can get two, three, four thousand, five thousand, ten thousand runners. A trail run, obviously, if you have like you say three hundred people rocking up in Iceland, that, that's <laughs> the crazy thing. I mean, that's that's just insane. But <laughs> you're right about the costs. But you say UTCT hundred miler. Look, there are a lot of there are a lot of costs involved. You know, sandparks need some. No, I understand. There's that, licenses. Yeah. There's permits and and all of that. Plus the the medical provision, the safety for the runners, and all of that. But you will pay the same for UTCT hundred mile as you will for the otter, and the otter is forty two k's. But that's not to put the otter down. The otter mm. needs to pay for the whole week, pay for that week of hiking. In other words, um, you can't have hikers uh, on the route. even finishing their uh, their last few days during that week yeah. or starting on this side because you have to block the trail for a week mm-hmm. and that costs, um, I think it's Cape Nate, no, it's Sand Parks, whichever, you know, they they, they need their revenue mm. and if it's not coming in, then yeah. they need to be paid. So there are all of these things to bear in mind. Uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. But all of that said, I find it so sad that there are these steep costs because – the steeper they get every year, the more prohibitive, um, you know, the, the tighter the barrier becomes. That's, yeah, it's a big to, barrier to yeah, entry. It's, it's barrier to entry. And yeah. it's sad. And there's so many. You see in road running, the potential out yeah, there. huge. You know, the fast guys, the, I hate the word development runners, but the runners who are less privileged and oozing potential, you know, um, 
just don't get the chance unless they're identified by a sponsor, by a brand, etc. And those are just the very few. And while I'm at it, the sad thing is is that there are very, very few black women runners. Yeah. Mm. Even in road running, um, they tend to stick, black women runners tend to stick to shorter distances, quite a few on 21. And when they get to, I don't know what age, very young, they're out, they're gone. Wow, what do you think that is? Well, I actually, I wrote an article on it once uh, because I was so curious about this. And I interviewed Blanche Moeller, not right pronunciation now. Blanche is a huge name in road running history in this country. She's the lady who runs with the Nike um, head wrap on. She was the very first black woman Springbok runner. I can't remember the details. I wrote this article many years ago, but she is a um, head nursing sister at a, a, a hospital in Durban, I believe, or Joburg. And um, she still runs. She was sponsored by Nike and um, phenomenal athlete. And I approached her and I asked her this question. And she said she, as a young woman runner, had to really shatter a lot of myths that's within black culture in, in, in South Africa and maybe in Southern Africa. Um, myths like, you know, running will make you infertile. <laughs> uh, what else? Um, running, you know, basically women must mm. be at home cooking for their yeah, men. Looking after basically. the children. Yeah. It's the yeah. old school mentality. And unfortunately that still carries through. You know, even though she did shatter the myths and she did inspire many, um, you have a look in the comrades lineup, and I'm using road running because road running, uh, access to road running is far greater than access to trail running, and still the numbers are not there. And I think it's so sad the the potential we're not yeah. tucking, t- tapping into. Well, you compare so the top sad. ten male finishers to the top ten female finishers, mm-hmm. and there you have your your divide that you're talking about. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, having conversations like this can can help break that divide yeah. but it, it, it's the problem is far deeper yeah. um it's a societal problem yeah. and then you say you have these barriers to entry and mm. the problem runs even becomes deeper. economic I mean, where, where do you get the mm. economic standards from so it is it is really difficult but i like that you mentioned there obviously you writing article you are a journalist as well is that correct yes yes i yeah, studied I mean, journalism years ago i i no longer write professionally um, I write occasionally for my blog, but really my coaching is taking up all my, my all time. time. And, and, and I'm happy with that. I've allowed it to, you know, I, I find it more rewarding. My, my years of journalism, uh, maybe journalism became a bit stale for me. You talk about coaching and the experiences that you've had through your running, aiding your coaching and assisting you. Um, so tell us a little bit about this experience that you now had with, with your hamstring issue. Oh. Uh, your he's long, he's your long, this, the best your, for last. Your long standing. What happened? Because I just want to build it up. I mean, you look, you look at you got you got Linda's CV on her website, and it goes through the years, mm-hmm. two thousand and six right through to twenty twenty, and then it just it ends. And yes, yes you could say COVID, but w- w- what's the real reason? Tell yeah. us, tell us. Is what's this, happened. Or is this like a forced rest? Have you been like, <laughs> in order to rest properly, I need to actually be on crutches? So. Yeah, I'm banking up some years here. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is good. I, I, I'm going to have such how, a such a return. How long have you been um, with crutches for now? Oh, two two weeks and a day. It feels like uh, you know twenty years. <laughs> but the, you know these two weeks, but uh, 
Yeah, I need I need six weeks on these damn crutches. But anyway, no. Um, Your triceps are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I have a. I had. I have. I don't know. Have. Do I still have? have. No, I had. You, I had. you have the, the crutches. Past. You have the injury. <laughs> <laughs> Proximal hamstring tendinopathy. Um, it's basically it's a tear in the hamstring tendon. And an MRI, I'm going to really put this in a nutshell, an MRI showed it up two years ago in a bit as a tear, and I must do all the rehab, which I did do, um, but it didn't heal. And then a second MRI this year showed, oh, look, a second tear. And I was starting to doubt myself, you know, why am I not healing? I'm doing all the, you know, I'd, I'd radically reduced the the mileage, radically. I'd. So what did it feel like when you were... That, that tear so you could feel um when you run it's any th- you really feel it when you're striding when you when you lengthen your stride speed work was out i've long done away with speed work since getting this um hill running on road it hated because it's a it's a steady long stride consistent that it, that consistent, consistent yeah anyway so the second mri showed a second tear and i was thinking what is going on you know i was doubting myself my healing ability and one of my runners, Jace Barrow, is a physio in Joburg. She show, she asked me for the scan. She said she'll show it to her husband, who's an orthopedic surgeon there in Joburg. So I just sent her the scan, and he looked at it, and he said, hmm, this looks a bit iffy. Show it to my colleague, who is a great orthopedic surgeon in Amschlange. So I'm thinking, oh, orthopedic surgeon, this is all a bit much and over the top. I'm who's your doctor? I'm just, uh, I, I, I was just thinking, you know, all this guy's going to tell me is I must do more rehab and surely that is all I need. I must carry on with the rehab. Anyway, this guy, Johnny DePier, Johnny DePier, he's a, he's a very good orthopedic surgeon and he, but he doesn't, he's not quick to operate, I, I was assured. But he just said, mm, this looks dodgy, operate. Long story short. So two weeks ago he operated and sure enough, it uh, the tendon, now, um, Nick, correct me if I'm describing this wrong, but there are three tendons that join to the butt bone, basically. And, <laughs> and I understood that, so that's great. One, one of my tendons. The this, coccyx. This problem, no, no. no, not the coccyx. <laughs> Sorry. The problem, my problem tendon had actually detached. So it wasn't torn at all. It had been torn, but now it was worse. It had detached. And the reason why the MRI hadn't shown was because there was a, such a lot of scar tissue. And the MRI, as fancy a scan and expensive a scan as it is, it can't distinguish between scar tissue and the tendon uh, on the scan. Am I right, Nick? Yeah, you can't. And, um, and so it was only when it, you know, the surgeon went in, he saw that it was detached. So he cut away all of the scar tissue. He, um, I had um, spurs on the bone because the butt bone had been trying to mend. The body wants to heal itself. So he buffed away all those spurs, <laughs> gave the bone some grippability, and then anchored, basically crucified my <laughs> tendon to the butt bone. Nailed so it has no tendon, choice. Right damn it. Three anchors. And, and now I'm under a strict regi- on a strict regime of no weight bearing while this all has to just. Because tendons need weight bearing to to heal, but not when they've just been hammered the living daylights out and crucified <laughs> yeah, to a butt You don't want to re, re detach it. No, but, but good thing you went for the surgery. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and um, so six weeks, you got the crutches, and how long is your rehab? When will you ask? Be- ask Nick. <laughs> 
Because that's when I hand myself no, over to a no, you're an, a you're an athlete. You yeah. just go when you feel good. No. <laughs> just go. That's just go thing. do some strides. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no yeah. you know, Dave, um, when you're I'm, ready for I must say, KFB. I'm, a, I, I'm somebody who, 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 who does what I, what I advise you to do. I'm not one of these crazy runners who just runs through. I want this healed. I'm so sick to death of watching everybody else sign up and finish races. You know, of late I've had to cancel race after race after race. So I need this fixed. It'll be a very long and slow process, but in six months' time I'll be running again. I won't be running fast yet, but I'll be able to start training. And so we'll check back in a year. I'll be on some start line. Well, that's the nice thing about it now. I think for Linda before it was just, you know, give it another month, give it another two yeah. months, give it another three months. At least now, you know, you've had the procedure, you know what the root of the problem is. It's been fixed physiologically. And now it's just about allowing the body to heal mm -hmm. correctly, loading it correctly eventually, and then going through the slow process of getting back to running and getting back out onto these, these races that she's talking about. <laughs> and, uh, you know... It is a process, but at the same time, it's an experience. And she's fortunate that you've got, you can live your, your trail running life vicariously through all your, yes. your trail running clients, yes. which, which keeps you extremely happy. I mean, for someone that uh, has, has the injury that you have and you've been struggling and suffering with it for years, psychologically, it is extremely difficult. Mm. I think that is the most difficult part. I mean, you feel like you've got ants in your pants and it's mm. only two weeks. Uh, but you know, you know, you got to do this right in order to get back to your best trail mm. running self. Mm. And I mean, to move on from here, and I just want to sort of finish it off, like you, your goals going forward, once you do get back, back to running, do you want to hit those races in the US? Do you want to go to Australia? What races are those? And uh, and what, what can we expect to see from, from mm. Linda Doak in the future? Yeah. I have my eye on a couple in Europe. Um, Ultra Tour de Monterosa is one that is hey. really, really amazing. And, uh, I, you know, I'm a great admirer of Lizzie Hawker. Um, Lizzie Hawker of the original UTMB few years she she won it I think four times anyway this is her her race Ultra Tour de Monterosa said to be a harder 100 miler than UTMB and it's in the mountains just sort of behind well behind yeah in, yeah in Switzerland in a in a rougher part in terms of avalanche potential and in fact last year was it the year before they had to actually cancel the race halfway through which isn't great yeah. <laughs> but um, but it's beautiful. So that's very high on my list. If not the 100 miler, then the 100K, but we'll see. And then I'd love to do one in the States. Yeah. Not sure in, what. in the Rockies. In I, the Rockies, I don't eh? know. Yeah, I, I'd so want to see that. Have you been to Colorado? Um, no. Never, hey? No. Oof, that, must, that no. sounds like trail heaven. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic, Linda. Well, yeah. thank you so much for making your, your time available for us today. And I, I, we'll definitely have you back on at some stage to hear how the, the process of the rehabilitation and, and the return to, yes. to elite trail running goes. Yes. Uh, we, we're going to back you the whole way. And just thank you so much for being, being here today and for sharing the, the knowledge that you have. And yeah, all the best with your recovery. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Great Linda. to be here. Really Thanks nice having you. Cool, 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 c
and they are voted number one internet service provider for their customer service. But don't take our word for it. Try it for yourself. Visit their website, www.coolideas.co.za and check coverage for your area. Do it now.